If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. Happy Friday. I I hope everyone's having a great day and ready for a great weekend. I know it's hot where I am in St. Louis, but I know it's hot all over the country in different places that are normally not hot. So welcome to the show, everyone. As always, we have our listeners on Voice America and we have our listeners and viewers on LinkedIn Live. Welcome to another episode. You can find this show on Voice America on the Business Network every Friday at this time, 12 p.m. Pacific time. You can check out our past uh, shows on your favorite podcast stations like iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. For those of you that don't know, I'm also the CEO of FutureCon Events. We host cybersecurity events throughout North America, and we our attendees are cybersecurity practice practitioners discussing the ongoing daily issues in the cyber world. Lots of stuff going on with event planners and conferences right now. Are we going to really make this happen? Are we really going to go out and start these shows with this new strain of COVID? Well, FutureCon is. We have three live events. They're going to be live with the hybrid of virtual coming up in the next month. We have a cybersecurity event in Dallas at the House of Blues. That's going to be our first live event. We're super excited. If you're in the Dallas area, make sure you look us up because it's going to be a very fun time to see new friends and old friends and then end the day with a party at the House of Blues. Then we head to Kansas City and we are off to Ohio I have actually been putting on these type of events for over two decades, but this is going to be new. We'll have our live audience, and then we're going to have our virtual audience. I'm kind of looking at it like a sports event, like a football game or a baseball game that we watch on TV. So it's going to be a new world for us. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be our new normal with having these hybrid events. I'd love to hear from any of our listeners What are your thoughts? Are you guys ready to get back out to events and conferences or just sports games and are interacting with people? I know many, many people already have been doing that, especially in Dallas, wondering who out there is going to some of these big conferences like DEF CON or Black Hat. It'll be very interesting to hear how all that goes and exciting. I can tell you, I definitely miss seeing all of our attendees, our speakers, our sponsors, and all of our friends. It's been way too long and talking into a camera to a virtual audience on all of our events the past year. While it's been great and we've had great supporters and we continue every, you know, we continue to thank everyone that participates in these events. It is getting a little old and people are ready to start seeing each other. So I'm ready to see everyone's face again. Um, I want to let you guys know, please be um, join us if you have any comments during this uh, 
um, the session. We have our on LinkedIn Live. We will definitely address any comments um, that you have today. As I mentioned, I've been in the cyberspace for well over two decades. And prior to that, I was a Navy veteran. Back when I was in the Navy, the portion of women in the Navy matched up pretty much to the portion of women in tech when I started in tech. Back in my Navy days, women did not go to war. Women didn't go on aircraft carriers, but times have changed. When I started putting on tech conferences, my audiences were primarily 90% men and 5% women. Things, of course, are changing, but not as quick as you would think they would have changed over the past 25 years. Um, now, you know, on a lucky day at a conference, maybe we have 20 to 25% women, still 75% men, not, you know, you would think it would be getting better. Um, I've had the pleasure and the honor of talking and having some of the most powerful women in tech on my shows as um, keynote speakers on um, at my events. I've had the honor of meeting many of these women in this book right here, Women Know Cyber, 100 Fascinating Fe Females Fighting Cybercrime. So if you guys have not seen this book, make sure you check it out because there's some really amazing women in that book. I always continue to seek out, you know, women that are making a difference in tech. Um, again, you know, there's, there's so many more today. I have the honor of um, having another great women woman on my show, which leads me to talking about today's guest. I have Dr. Cheryl Cooper. She holds a doctorate in computer science and several industry certifications like CISSP, CISSA, CDPSE. She has over 20 years of telecommunication and cybersecurity experience with T-Mobile Corporation. She is a professor providing practical and academic curriculum instruction under the cybersecurity degree programs. She is the founder and president of Women in Security Mentors Incorporation. Um, she also is an organization, well, that is an organization whose mission is to promote women and minorities in STEM careers through workshops, summits, and training. She is also a veteran of the United States Navy. She speaks at events, conferences, as the Women in Telecom Conference following the event of the September 11 attacks of the World Trade Center, speaking on lessons learned. She spoke at the Internet. National Engineering Consortium Conference on the advantages and disadvantages of various types of networks. She's been invited to speak and serve as panelists at numerous cybersecurity, educational, privacy, and technology conferences. She has a lot to say. She's doing a lot over the last year. She's been a keynote and panelist on several industry panels, um, talking about the security implications of COVID and recommendations to close the race on gender gap in STEM. Today, we're going to talk about that very topic, closing the race and gender gap in STEM. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Cheryl. Hello, Kim, and thank you for having me. I am so honored to be here today to talk about what us uh, women in cyber 
uh, women in cybersecurity, specifically the lack of women in the cybersecurity profession, as well as the race gap in cybersecurity. And although women have made significant gains in social, economic, and political segments, there has been a snail's growth with women across all STEM careers. Women make up 20% of the cybersecurity profession. And it's interesting that you stated when you go to these industry conferences, you see predominantly men. And the reason for that is that men make up 72.6% of the cybersecurity professionals. Well, and we have a lot to, t- to talk about, and we're going to dive into that. And, you know, and, and there has been progression made. But like I said, it, when you, it's interesting when you compare the United States Navy being a woman in the Navy, you know, it, it's populated heavily with women now. And the track on IT has just really, it's not progressed that fast. But before we jump into that, I want to talk about you because I just met you. Uh, Cheryl was kind enough to step in late last night because my guest scheduled for today had a last minute family emergency. So I am fascinated by your bio and what you've done. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time, you know, talking about you and what you've been doing. And let's just start from the beginning um, because you're in the Navy. So tell us a little bit about your Navy career and what you did in the Navy, where you were, how long, all that fun stuff. Okay, Kim. Yeah. Um, Well, first, I grew up in the inner city. The inner city, famously known for crime and drugs, and I lost a lot of dear friends to the street, and I even lost my husband to the streets when he was shot in the top of his head, and at that very moment in my life, I became a single parent, and because of the decay of the inner city, as with many African Americans, we joined the military. Now, this saved my life at that time, but while serving, I was sexually assaulted, tormented, and I spent years suffering with PTSD because of the stigma with being sexually assaulted and seeking psychiatric help. So I suffered alone. I lost my confidence. I became the elephant in the room versus the the lion, because I had no confidence. I share this information because through my adversity, my lowest, when I had lost my way, I found my purpose. So today I hold a PhD in computer science and I'm using my years of experience to give back through being an advocate and a mentor for girls and women in STEM. I am also writing my memoir. During the pandemic, I couldn't get out there and ment- and mentor. So I said, I'm going to write a memoir, a guide for women looking to pursue a career in cyber. And I'm going to tell you, here's how you do it. I'm going to interview women so other women can hear other women's voices. I wanted to give that platform. But in writing that memoir, I talked about my own life story because I wanted to look at the woman as a whole 
that she needs to look inside herself to be successful. So about 40 pages into my memoir, I said, I'm going to get me a writing coach. And I shared what I had written so far. And my writing coach said, you know what, Cheryl, this is two books. You need to first tell girls who look like you why you make a good mentor. She said, they don't care about that DR in in front of your name. They want to know where you came from. And so now I'm using my many years of experience and I'm going to use that memoir that I'm writing to reach back to women and to girls that look like me to show that it's possible that in this book that I share how I triumph when at many times in my life that it seemed over. And so currently, as you stated, over the last 20 years, I have oh, I have gained a wealth of professional and personal experience. And I hope that we can cover some of that today. And as you said, yes, I too am a Navy veteran. I was radio, a radio man technical controller. I was in a tech field. And I gravitated toward a tech field because my father was in the army. And when my father was in the army, he trained to learn how to kill people. And he said, Cheryl, make sure when you go in that you learn a trade, when you get out, you can apply it to the civilian world. And that's exactly what I did. And that's how I started my career in STEM. So what actually was your job when you were in the Navy and where were you stationed and were you on the air side, the sea side? Well, without telling my age, Kim, I was in the military back when you were in. Uh, women were not allowed on aircraft carriers. Mm-hmm. Women did not go to war. I was a radio men tech technical controller. So when I say radio men, you know, it was at a a time when we were not, we were not gender sensitive because even women were called radio men. And in my job, I troubleshot telecommunication systems and I changed out cryptographic keys. And so I feel like those who are looking to Pursue a career in cybersecurity. If you have that IT or network background, it's an excellent foundation to springboard into a cybersecurity career. I was stationed on land. I was in Woodby Island, Washington. I was in San Diego, and I finished up at NAVCAM's East Pac Wahiwa in Hawaii, Pearl Harbor. Well, that's awesome. I actually spent my first four years in Hawaii at Barber's Point, and then I finished up in San Diego. So I was more on the air side. Um, I My experience in the military was, it, it was a nice experience until the end, you know, until the end, you know, nothing's perfect, but um, it did make me who I am today in the military. It's not the same military as it was then. But um, yeah, but it's here we are. And, you know, now we have to be women leaders to try to help these young girls that have no direction. What are they going to do and make this whole cybersecurity, you know, um, more attractive than it's just boring IT. So um, so tell me about 
um, so then you got in the telecom industry, which I was actually in the telecom industry. I worked for MCI for a long mm-hmm. time. So how did you, so what's your primary role in that industry and what have you been doing in telecom? In the telecommunications industry, when I first left the military, because of my strong networking background, I pursued a career because I really liked doing what I was doing in in telecom. Uh, I first started working for a company out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. They were called Teleconnect. That company has since been bought out. And then I left Teleconnect and I went to work for Sprint, troubleshooting telecom circuits. Then around that early 2000, when technology came to the front door of the consumer and then into the consumer's hand with the cell phone and now into the consumer's home, there became a need where we needed more cybersecurity professionals to secure those IOT devices, as well as all those IOT devices that hang off those critical infrastructures such as T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, to ensure that those IOT devices are not used as a launch point for a denial of service attack. So that's what got me into the cybersecurity industry It was technology that moved me from network into security. And so then um, Cheryl's also the founder and president of Women in Security Mentors Incorporation. Can you tell us about that and how are you growing the mission? Well, what is the mission? I, I think we know what the mission is, but how are you spreading that mission and growing that organization? Kim, I started Women in Security Mentors Organization. It's at www.wins, wins, because we will win when we mentor.org. And I started this organization because when I would go to industry chapter meetings or industry conferences and I was talking to other women, they asked me, Cheryl, I'd like to get into that field. How do I get started? Should I get a certification? Should I get a certificate? Or should I get a college degree? Um, Where can I get a mentor? Where can I apply what I learned in the classroom to real world events? And so I was getting so many of those questions. I said, you know what? I'm gonna start a mentoring organization where the goal and mission of this organization organization is to advocate. We talked about that that gap with ethnicities in STEM and cybersecurity. So I do this through summits, workshops, and training. I have received grants to provide cybersecurity training, and I also provide an annual cybersecurity career and mentoring symposium here in the greater Kansas City area. My next event is on September the 9th in Kansas City. And what we're gonna do, we're going to have a panel, which the theme is security awareness. Because oftentimes the reason why we have that gap is that people don't really know what cybersecurity is. 
And oftentimes when we're trying to fill that gap with women, the women coming in don't know. This event will be open to adults who are looking to transition, but also what we have to do to fill this gap, we have to recruit at age appropriate levels. What does that mean? We've got to go into the high schools. So this event is also for high school students. In a study that ISC Square did, they found from that study, 70% of their respondents said the cybersecurity curriculum was not provided at the high school level. So, I'm, I'm sorry, go, uh, no, go uh, ahead. You can keep going. I, I, it was going to take me back to, you know, just even going younger and talking about, you know, the Girl Scouts mm -hmm. and that now that mm -hmm. there's a cybersecurity badge, you know, what okay. other ways, you know, that that's amazing, but that's just such a small little thing. You know, what else can we be doing to make, you know, this industry, you, you know, all these kids are on computers. You know, I, I don't understand think that, you know, I, I have a 17 year old daughter that has no idea what she wants to do, but she mm. can, she can hack into anything I lock down, you know, electronically in my home. So, you know, I'm always pushing her to go that route. So how do we do that to make people understand it's not just hacking or it's not just coding, that there's so many different layers of cybersecurity? Kim, we have got to get the industry professionals into the classroom. Agree. Agree. Yeah. And there's a lot of them that are doing that. You know, Deanne mm -hmm. uh, DeFora, she's the CISO of United Airlines. She's doing that. I mean, Meredith Harper, who is the vice president, chief security officer of Eli Lilly. I mean, some, some, and these are some of the keynote speakers I've had on my show. They are amazing women that have their plate completely full, but they're like you, passionate about this topic. And they are out there teaching summer classes classes, talking in schools. So um, just so give us a little advice of if if we wanted to do something like that, how do you even begin a process like that? To begin a process uh, relative to getting in schools and talking to younger kids and and getting the awareness out there so they can start thinking about STEM and cybersecurity. Well, Kim, I, I think that we have three lanes here. We have academia, we have colleges, we have um, the Board of Education for these school districts uh, that can, too, work back with the industry. And three, there are several programs that currently exist today, such as uh, the Department of Defense, uh, Starbase, is an organization that targets children in grades four through eight, and they fourth through eighth grade and they and their mission is to excite interest across all STEM careers, not just cybersecurity. But with cybersecurity specifically, you have the SANS Go Cyber Start. And with the Air Force, you have the Cyber Patriots. Now I'm a Cyber Patriots technical mentor. And with the Cyber Patriots program, they start this in the ninth grade. And if you make it to the finals, the Air Force will um, pay all expenses 
pay to fly these students out to Washington, D.C. to compete in the finals. Well, that's pretty awesome. And I, I know last year before COVID, there was a big um, women in cyber. I think it's that We See organization. Yeah, And they were having that big thing out in Colorado, which had to be canceled, which was a shame because we were going to be there mm. to help support that event. But um, do you know a lot about that program and what they're doing? I am, and I was planning on attending that ev- that event. I followed them on on LinkedIn. But if I can share something else with you, uh, Kim, and we're doing it at T-Mobile, and a lot of your other big tech companies are doing it at the college level with the apprenticeship program. But you're not going to find that pool of talent at the college level unless you excite them at the high school. And as you said, even younger levels, right? Mm -hmm. Now, T-Mobile, now I'm working with them to implement a high school cybersecurity internship program to be piloted in the Kansas City Public Schools School District, as well as in the Seattle Public School Districts. You may be aware of this with T-Mobile, their corporate headquarters are in Kansas, in the greater Kansas City area and in the Bellevue, uh, Seattle area. And this is going to be a great program because we introduce the student to cybersecurity. They get the mentoring. They get the side-by-side industry guidance. But more importantly, they're learning and they're getting paid. And that's the part that's missing when we talk about this lack of women. We can tell them, do your soft skill assessment. You know, do you speak well? Are you, uh, or are you organized? Go out and get these industry certifications. Go get a degree. Uh, join um, an industry association. But they still don't have the experience. So no one will, will hire them. So what's missing? When you were saying, what can we do? We need more internship and apprenticeship programs. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And um, it's surprising that there are not more out there. Um, What does, can you give us some examples of some of the companies, what kind of internship programs they have and, and how other companies could replicate that? Well, T-Mobile has a college internship program. It's called TechX. All you have to do is go out there and type in T-Mobile TechX Apprenticeship Program. And that's a, a year you would come in for a year, of course. But when you look at high school, they usually come in during the summer. And Kim, I believe in what we look at, most of your companies aren't hiring students out of high school, right? So that's the challenge. So what we want to do is give them the internship during the junior, senior year. The reason why we can't go earlier for your listeners, because there's laws in certain states, you can't hire hire anyone unless they're 17 or 18 years old. So we have to wait until the junior, senior year. But if they only have the um, internship over the summer, because now school starts so early, we really only get eight weeks out of that summer. So they still don't have the experience. So we have to have a program once they graduate 
and that's through the apprenticeship. Another year working side by side with an industry professional and getting the mentoring. So what are your thoughts now about there's so many boot camps and, you know, trade schools versus going and getting your four year degree? What are your thoughts about that? And what's the pros and cons of if you decide to go to a boot camp or a trade school versus the diploma? Kim, that question, I don't know how many times I've heard it, right? Boot camp, certification, college degree. Currently, there are 3.1 million cybersecurity jobs globally. 400,000 of those jobs are right here in the United States. So if you're an individual who may not have the money, a lot of times when we're looking at those underrepresented, underserved uh, groups, they don't have the money for a four-year degree. So in that case, we would push them toward an industry certification. But because there's such a demand for cybersecurity professionals, if you can get the certification, you can get the training, and you find the right company who says, if you have the aptitude and the attitude, we'll hire you on. But maybe you're looking to advance in your cyber, in, in your um, cybersecurity career. I would recommend then that you pursue the four-year degree if you're looking to move into management. If you need more hand-holding, oftentimes with the certification, you're studying alone. So yeah. Is, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, I have a nephew that, you know, just college wasn't for him, tried, you know, didn't, yeah. and then waited until later. And, you know, maybe he was 26 and went through one of those boot, you know, a coding boot camp and is in the cybersecurity industry making very, very well money. But I never really thought about, you know, the advancement, you know, because, it definitely, you do require, you know, certain degrees as you move up the scale, but that's not 100% certain, you know. And here's something else to point out. When we look at the Y generation, the millennials, you know, we keep saying, oh, they grew up with technology. It's become cliche-ish. But I was talking to a little girl who was three. She wanted to use my phone. You know, it. It used to be we would set our children in front of the TV and the TV was the babysitter. Now parents are saying, here, here's my phone to a three-year-old. And so I have my phone password protected and I let her use my phone and she gave it to me. And she said, do you know the code at the three? The password code to be in at three years old. You today are comfortable with the technology and you know, they're comfortable in talking to the technology. Yeah, definitely. So I, I, do, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you even said with, um, with your son um, or, or someone that, you know, they know all about hacking. You can get the millennials that Y generation and they're hacking today without any certification. And that's the audience we want to target for those who are hacking. Exactly. And 
you know, I think sometimes when you tell them the money that you can make, because there's really well paid mm. jobs, you know, that that's a little motivating, but um, it'll be interesting to see where this Y generation is going. But going over to, you know, let's talk about some of the challenges and what are you still seeing in bridging and closing the race and the gender, gender gap in STEM? When I look at the gender and race gap, we've already said that there's a 20% gap with women in cybersecurity. But when we look at ethnicity, when we look at the minority groups, when we talk minority, Asians, Latinos, Hispanics, Blacks, Native Americans, all in the single digits, less than 10% across that nine, seven, 4%. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. In the inner city, we're not exposing black and brown students to STEM careers to include cybersecurity. That's one of the challenges. We've got to get the STEM programs into the high schools. We've got to start mentoring and being allies to women. We have to show them, as myself being an African-American woman, another brown or black girl has to see herself when she sees someone who looks like her. Right. And so how... How is that possible, especially if you're talking about, you know, some of the inner cities where I, it's just going to take big corporations stepping up and donating, you know, electronics and, you know, ways for these, these you know, lower poverty cities to be able to, um, to participate in that kind of growth? You're absolutely right. One of the implications of COVID was to sh was to shine that spot spotlight again on the inner cities and that digital divide, because now these students had to log in, and maybe we gave them a tablet or a phone to log in, but when they were at home, if they had a tablet, they didn't have any Wi-Fi. Mm. Yeah, I'd never even thought about that. Yeah, well, you gave yeah. them the tablet, but they don't have Wi-Fi. Never thought of that once. That's crazy. You know, again, that's where things have to change because we don't think of things like that that are so simple as not having Wi-Fi. You know, so so what are is T-Mobile? Are they taking initiatives to to help, you know, some of the inner city challenges that we're having right now? T-Mobile has a program that um, no, ch you've heard the saying, no child will be left behind. T-Mobile has a program where no child will be left behind without a device. Wow. Yes, mi millions, millions of dollars being spent on that. Additionally, what we're doing and working with the school districts is putting additional Wi-Fi hotspots into the inner city communities, more radios, more, more towers where these children can connect. And as I stated before, with this high school internship program that I talked about, it will be available 
to anyone, but the pilot is for Kansas City Public School District, which is the inner city. And when we target inner city high schools, those high schools are predominantly minorities. Right. And, you know, I'm from St. Louis, so, you know, I, I don't know what's happening in the in inner city with um, situations like that. I have no idea what companies, you know, we've lost a lot of our big corporations here in St. Louis. So I know MasterCard mm -hmm. is definitely, you know, um, because their, their CISO is a minority. So he has, he has impl implemented a lot of great plans that they're doing at MasterCard. I don't know what the results of those are, but there's some pretty fabulous people working over at MasterCard. Now, also, when we look at companies like Google, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, those big tech companies, they have internship programs and they have scholarship programs. Um, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's Amazon. Amazon has a scholarship program specifically for African-Americans. Well, Amazon should. Amazon should. They can go uh, up on a rocket ship. They should be doing, you know. Absolutely. They when, And when I say scholarship, not just for one year or to buy books, a four-year ride. Well, that's So amazing. we're working to do it, but to really close it, because you know this, Kim, we've been talking about this for how many years? The the digital divide, the gap with women in, in STEM and cybersecurity, the, the, the gap with minorities in STEM and cybersecurity, we're not moving the needle. Even the 3.1 million jobs that are, uh, that are yet to be filled, we talked about that same number in 2020. We're not moving the needle. And that's where we've got to reach out to women undeserved and underrepresented communities. And not only are we not moving the needle, we're having more and more problems just, you know, every day with the cyber attacks and the bad actors. And, you know, so, so how do you even keep yeah. ahead of this, this, you know, huge problem that we have? And, and do you think because cybersecurity is so much more, you know, we hear it more. And again, you know, the inner city people, they may not even have a TV to be able to hear the news. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like that is going to help move the direction of younger girls to at least get their attention that maybe this is, you know, a, an industry that I look into? I have two daughters and I've been in this industry, you know, all their lives and neither one of them seemed to be interested so it's how do you make it more attractive for the future of younger girls in grade school and high school? Kim, that's through awareness and education. I have another colleague. She has a marketing degree and she's a manager over cybersecurity awareness and she's six figures. And that's the kind of information our young girls need to hear is not every, I mean, it's hard, hard because it's a technical field, but it's not all hard. We need to expose them to the various careers. Not every job is a hacking field. We have compliance. We have govern, governance. 
We have auditing. We're just auditing a company to go in to see if they're if they're compliant with the regulations that govern their industry. And so we need to just, it's just education and awareness and it's mentoring and a being an ally, not just to our women, but our young girls. I believe through powerful mentoring moments from men, because we need our men, our, our allies and women alike that we can create a meaningful impact that will help close that, that gender gap. I'm sure, Kim, if I talked to your daughter, she'd be ready to get on board. <laughs> well, I may just have you talk to the 17-year-old. Absolutely. <laughs> she needs to figure something out. <laughs> but, I mean, and, and that's... I want to share one of the, also what I do with uh, Department of Defense, Kansas Starbase. Every summer they do a summer camp and I get introduced them to binary code because that's how computers talk mm-hmm. in binary on off uh, ones and zeros. And so we do the, the necklace and bracelet exercise. First, I teach them binary and then I say, pick two colors, one to represent the one and one color to represent the zero. And I give them a card that decodes every letter in the alphabet. And then they make a bracelet or a necklace with that. And they have a binary necklace. So we want to also, how do we do it? How do we excite them? We make education fun. And they're all about the word binary nowadays. (laughs) So maybe that'll, uh, that'll attract, you know, them. But it's uh, it's interesting. And then do you feel like you're still seeing challenges as far as the gender gap? And um, I don't want to you know, make anyone mad that it would be listening to this. But do you think things are getting better as far as um, respect of, you know, that a woman of color and women in cyber? You know, that's. I, I, there's still work to be done with that. And it's not just with women of color, it's all women. And that's the reason why can we see the numbers? We don't see women at the higher levels of the organizational chart at entry level director position or at VPC, uh, uh, CISO levels because women we're not even considered or groomed for those positions. And the reason why, because it fit, because that perception, they couldn't do the job that the male could do. Well, and the reason I bring that up is I have two friends in the industry. One's Ann Benningson. I don't know if you know her, but she's the CISO over uh, Bank of West. And then going back to Meredith Harper, both of them, (laughs) one's Asian and one's a black woman, woman. And both of them have had Meredith said she was going to a board meeting and, you know, they thought that she was there to clean up the boardroom, you know, and here she was Mm -hmm. everyone's boss, you know, and then the same thing with Anne, who's an Asian woman has had the exact same thing still happening today. So absolutely. um, Would you take the meeting minutes? Could you make sure we have, have some coffee and donuts and why is that perceived to be a woman's job? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, I guess that just, and and I don't face that because my position, I'm usually running events. So it's very clear what my role is. You know, if I was in a different role, you know, I may have those situations just being a woman, you know. Although I do have to say, I, I was telling my daughter this the other day because we were traveling last weekend. And I said, you know, I used to wear, when I was traveling and going to events, I would always wear a black suit. Every time I'd go to a restaurant or like a vendor at the airport, they would always think I was a flight attendant, you know, oh my. Always, you know? <laughs> so in its own yes. way, so that, that's a social profiling, you know, so, um, so yeah, so how do we, I mean, that's just the everyone working together and continuing to grow and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to bridge that gap, but you know, it, it, it's just, I guess, an ongoing struggle that just will continue to, I guess everybody just has to continue working together. What are some of your biggest missions right now in your um, group that you started with the Women in Security Mentors? My biggest mission right now, and, and, and the reason why we're on this this call today, is closing the race and gender gap. And my biggest mission is to recruit in those areas to educate and to see the girl. We have to see the girl and see the gift. That's another challenge. Once we see the gift, we can mentor the girl. Well, you know, when you look at IT, you know, if you look at coders or DevOps or, you know, anybody that's more, you know, hands-on, the engineers, they're, they're very quiet people, you know. So how do you, you know, so if you have a quiet girl that's, that's you know, how do you pull that out of her? Because, you know, IT people aren't generally the most, not all the time, the most outgoing people. Uh it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because I'm an extrovert and I've had people say, uh, we don't see very many of you, yeah. <laughs> you need to be. <laughs> um, but, but, but getting back to your question, Kim, those people that are extroverts and quiet, we have to develop relationship, trusting relationships. You can get more out of a person once you develop the trust So oftentimes we're working on the relationship first before we can even steer them toward a STEM career for them to trust us and get them to open up. And then how did you go? Because I kind of skipped upon this and before, you know, we probably still have about seven, eight minutes left. Um, When you left the military, then you just pursued your education and here you are with a, a doctorate. How, how did that happen? I mean, I, I love that. I started my college degree when I was in the military. And then once I got out of the military, I finished up my bachelor's degree, which was in management. And then back in that day, everyone wanted an MBA. So I said, I'm going to get an MBA. Plus, I was looking to move up to management. As I continued my career and I wanted to pursue a career in cybersecurity, I went after, I actually have two master's degrees. I have a master's degree in criminal justice 
with an emphasis in cybersecurity. That's awesome. Yes, yes, and that was really fun. And then I pursued my doctorate degree because at the time I was teaching and there was chatter in the industry that many of the industry schools were not going to allow you to teach a master levels course unless you had a doctorate degree. And you know what, Kim? I was like, I'm not smart enough. Uh, And I I just started it. I said, well, it won't hurt me to start it. And I was passing my classes. I picked out a dissertation topic. I'm like, I think I'm going to (laughs) graduate. Awesome. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I graduated. I did my dissertation. Um, And now I have a DR in front of my name. Well, that is really awesome that that's you're definitely a great role model so it's amazing what you're doing because that that's amazing because most people wouldn't think that you know unless you know you you're you're starting straight from school you know if you're coming from the military and because i assume you were enlisted and then you Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, that that's that's pretty amazing that you got that far. And I love that fact what you got your first MBA in. Um, so what schools are so you're teaching you're you're doing some. I am te- currently teaching the cybersecurity curriculum at Webster University, as well as with uh, K-State. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So an, another place that you can, you know, now those people are taking those classes because they're pursuing, you know, that career. So um, how are you yourself, you know, trying to get kids to understand it is possible. I did this. If I did this, you can do this. Well, one, I share, I share my story Kim, coming coming from the inner city, um, I learned about network in the military. I didn't know anything about cybersecurity either back early 2000. Um, It's opening up a book. These days, you can actually go on YouTube and learn a lot as well. Um, Get you a mentor. How do I encourage them? Get to me. Get you a mentor. And that's when I have people say, well, Cheryl, will you be my mentor? And I'm like, come on and come on board. Meet me at this event. And so <laughs> what I, but what I also do, Kim, as I talked about the event on uh, September the 9th, is that I bring people in from the industry. Oftentimes what we see is that people don't have time to be a mentor for four to six months, but they will take time out of an evening or out of a day. And I bring in industry professionals to talk to these aspiring adults as well as as our youth. I show them what it's like. Uh, In 2019, I bust 100 girls from the inner city of the Kansas City Public School District out to a cyber defense center in Kansas City. We bought them lunch. We bought an industry professionals. We let them, um, we introduced them. They, they actually took a tour and met people within the company, people who were lawyers, people who did sales, so that these individuals could see it's not all technical. When we asked the girls, what did you like more most about the event? 
the girls said, talking to the ladies. Mm. And that's the piece that we were missing. They just wanted to be mentored. They wanted to feel special. And I feel that's a key piece that we're missing to excite our young children and having that ally, that trusting relationship, feeling like I don't have to learn it on my own, Kim, right? We know that going through our life, we had to learn a lot of what we know on our own or figure things out on our own. But we can close that gap if we take that journey with the girl. So what would your message be to any of the listeners on here? What can each of us do to make a difference today, tomorrow, even if we don't have time, if somebody doesn't have time to be a mentor, what's the best advice you would give them? Even if they don't have the time to be the mentor, if they can't give up their time, they can give up their money. Yeah. There are there are scholarship programs out there that we can help these students to get involved. You well, can take, I'm sorry. Uh, no, go, go ahead. You can finish. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, also what I wanted to say is that it doesn't take long to take an hour out of your day in a whole school year to go to a school and talk to the girls. I think all girls need to see a representation of themselves in STEM to connect. And how would you do that? Do you just call the schools and just ask the schools, can I come in and talk? I've done that, Kim, but I also work back with those organizations such as Kansas Starbase, Cyber Patriots. But okay. you can also contact the schools directly, talk to the principal, tell them, my name is XYZ, I'm in the field, do you have a career day? A lot of your school districts have career days where they bring in industry professionals. And um, Cheryl, how can people find you if they have more questions for you or if, if they'd like to, you know, find more information out about your um, your organization and everything you're doing? How could people get in touch with you? They can contact me at www.wins, W-I-N-S, mentors, mentors with an S, dot org. Or they can contact me on my personal website at www.drcheryl.com. Cheryl with a C, cooper.com, or free, feel free to email me at cheryl.cooper at t-mobile.com. Well, everyone, today we've had Dr. Cheryl Cooper. She's been amazing. Thank you so much for spending this last hour with us. Thank you for all you're doing for the community and the future of our young ladies. And we hope to see the rise of these young ladies getting into cybersecurity and STEM. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another uh security and for all another episode don't forget to check us out all of our shows on your favorite podcast station we look forward to seeing you next week have a safe and healthy weekend and we'll see you soon thanks everyone thank 
you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. 